Welcome to As A Creator, the podcast that dives deep into the minds and stories of the top content creators on Instagram and TikTok. I'm your host, Charlotte Trucarton. I'm a TikTok creator and owner of Tar Charms Water Bottle Accessories, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. Today, we're finishing an episode with Sarah Gross. This is part two to a two-part episode where I talk to Sarah about all things influencer. Sarah, she... She does the influencer strategy at Allbirds, the shoe company who has almost 500,000 followers on Instagram. And if you check them out, a lot of their posts are influencers. Now, scrolling through their feed, I love to see it. There's so many dynamic parts that are going on, photo shoots, lifestyle influencers. It's a really well done social media feed. And so in today's episode, we, we go over why it's so important for the influencer strategist to be working with the social media person, to be working with the paid media person, and why it all matters that some of these things just should be done in-house. We talk about some tools that brands can be using to start to build out their influencer strategy and just a lot of other fun stuff when it comes to influencers. So I hope you guys love part two of the two-part episode with Sarah Grows. Enjoy. Before we get started, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Char Charms. Char Charms sells the cutest water bottle accessories. So if you love your water bottle or you know someone who loves their water bottle, you should definitely get some Char Charms. Go check out the cutest water bottle accessories at charcharms.com. How often when you're looking at influencers or doing outreach or you're getting emails, is it now more often agencies than the influencer themselves? Like, are you seeing a trend in just more and more agencies out there that like you have to go through them before the influencers? Definitely. I mean, I started in 2018 where it was like I was reaching out to accounts with like 200K plus followers and I'm speaking directly to the influencer. And they're also so quick to get back because there was no other brands in their face trying to partner with them. Um, so if we're comparing it to 2018, yeah, there's so many more managers. Um, what I've been seeing recently is like independent managers. So it's not really like an agency, but an individual that might have their own like talent roster. Um, and I'm assuming like eventually once they get more, um, brands on their, um, on their like client list and then also more talent on their roster as well. I'm assuming that they're going to build it out into an agency. Um, but what's also tricky is I've been seeing a lot of agencies that have like non-exclusivity partnerships with influencers. Um, and so what that means is that um, an influencer might have multiple managers or talent agencies representing them. Um, and so it's just sometimes it can be tricky just um, understanding who has the best rate because um, the talent manager um, will always want to jack up the price because they are usually paid in a percentage. Um, whatever the brand pays the influencer, they make usually between 15 to 25%. Um, but usually an influencer has like a minimum amount that they will work for. And so the agent might jack up that price knowing that they'll make the difference. And so um, that's when like relationships come into play is you have to have these really strong relationships with these. It could be the individual talent managers. It could be the talent agencies just to make sure that you're getting the right um, rate. And then also they can really push and um, advocate for you as a brand to their talent, um, especially if you don't have a big enough budget to work with the um, the talent themselves. Like I pushed agents to like 
just give me the address. Just ask for the shoe size. Um, and again, like, let's just send them product. Who knows if they'll, who knows if they'll like it. Um, and also just being like, knowing and being a customer myself, I love the product. And I know that anyone that puts a pair of shoes on uh, of Allbirds, it's just like an awesome experience. So um, I know that and that's like an advantage that I have if as long as I get product in their in their shoes and they're on their feet. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot more talent managers these days. Are you, you know, from your perspective of working with so many content creators out there and agencies, do you think that it's better for a content creator to have a manager once you're like over 100K followers, let's say, for example, or do you would you rather work directly with the influencer? I mean, obviously, some influencers just hire managers because they have to. But in your opinion, do you think a content creator should have a manager? Um, That's another good question. I would say most and there's so many moving parts, right? Like every brand um, has their own um, set of deliverables. They ha have their own payment terms. They have their own um, brand guidelines and content guidelines and product information. And so I would say it makes sense um, if you're an influencer and you work with, um, you know, a handful of brands every week, every month just to manage all of the expectations and making sure that you're hitting all the deliverables. Um, you should have an agent to man like a manager. Um, but also like sometimes I really love working directly with influencers, especially if like they're so passionate about content creation, you just get so much more out of it. And there's a few influencers that um, we currently work with and they, they don't have managers and we see them post all the time and give us like, value added content um just because they can and they don't have any um other obligations and they don't have to like prep their manager for it or like let us know and um so i would say like it's really strategic if you can as a as um an influencer to manage the relationships with brands yourself um until you hit a certain scale where it's just impossible to manage yourself. Um, but it's just so cool as a brand, just knowing that you have so much more flexibility in terms of like the deliverables and the interesting projects. If you have that like one-to-one -one relationship with the influencer. Right. Especially considering that like the influencer is working with someone like you, like whatever brand it is, like they're talking to a Sarah, whether it's at Allbirds or Nike, like there is a person that you are communicating with and like they're a person too. And like they just want to make things work. So I love your perspective on that. Um, I'd actually just love your hot take on are there any you've been in the space for a while. Have you seen any niches where like you just don't think that there are enough influencers in it yet? Like and I this is a hot maybe a hot take, but do you ever struggle or have you ever struggled or seen brands struggle to find like good niche down influencers in a certain niche? I mean, there's definitely enough fitness wellness influencers <laughs> out there. Um, the one thing that really gets me is like lifestyle because um, it could be anyone and it's usually like lifestyle and parenting or lifestyle and fitness. Um, so it's just like always funny when like someone's just a lifestyle influencer. Um, cause I would say it's like the niche of no niches. Um, Hmm. Fashion is usually pretty popular food. There's a lot of, um, a lot, I would say it's like 
sometimes challenging to find influencers that are location specific. Um, so like, especially having our like retail presence in different, um, cities, like sometimes it's hard to find like a fashion girly in Mississippi. Why would that be important though? Like, why would you need a fashion girly in Mississippi? If we're doing like a a retail activation where like, maybe we want to test out like a promotion at a certain store. Um, we want to drive like specific foot traffic there. We don't do that often. I've done it with like other brands. I've done it with beauty brands that wanted to launch it, like have launched in Sephora and they've only worked with like key Sephora locations. It wasn't like an online activation. So in that case, we just needed to find like location specific influencers that have this specific niche. And it's like, it's tough because there's so many like food reviewers, um, which is always great because there's so many like local restaurants. But once you go beyond food, um, it's a little bit more challenging. Right. Because then it has to be super niche. Like, who's posting about going to like the Nike outlet in Chicago, right? Like, it's just like very like random. And like, you have to be a shopping person to be doing that. And then like, that has to be in your niche, too. So I can totally see why that would be something that's a little bit more difficult to come across. Very interesting. I'm just like collecting my thoughts on all of that. (laughs) When you talk about like, um, if you're looking for existing content to identify a location, a lot of the times it's not people that actually live there. It's people that are visiting because it's more exciting. And it's if you live there and like um, a good one is like I was in Chicago and I posted about the um, Starbucks reserve and I probably wouldn't post about that if I, you know, have access to that every day living in Chicago. But since I was just like, you know, hanging out there visiting for a few days. Um, I posted about it and like I would be the worst influencer for Chicago because I'm just never there. Interesting. Okay. Well, this this is a very interesting conversation about influencers and niches. I want to wrap things up here by talking a little bit about just like tips for brands on building out their influencer strategy, you know, what are some things like what are tools that they could be using other than just right like looking on instagram looking on TikTok? do you think that they should be going to the TikTok affiliate center if they're using TikTok shop like do you think that they should be using an agency and and finding something like that just like hot hot tips that brands can walk away from this um and go and have some action items agencies are great if you want to if you want to learn how to start because they'll create all the process for you or they're great to scale. But I think in like when you're in this like middle ground and you kind of know what you're doing, you have the back, the basics, but you're like not really to like fully scale. I think like keeping things in house um, is a smarter move. Um, some tools that I would recommend if you are executing it yourself as a brand. Um, I used to do a lot of work through different sales tools. So one good one is called Mail Shake. And basically you can create a spreadsheet of all your influencers. Um, you have to have their like emails and then you can create different variables on the spreadsheet. So you can like swap out their Instagram handle or TikTok handle or use their first name. Or what's interesting is I sometimes would do like a personal statement. And what's awesome about Mailshake is you can bulk outreach everyone at once and then it creates kind of like a drip campaign. So you can automatically follow up if someone doesn't respond within a certain amount of time. Um, And so it just like removes the annoying, you know, like following up. Um, And it's just not that expensive of a tool. So that one's cool. 
Um, there's one called archive.com. Um, and that helps you just like save content. Um, especially like Instagram stories. A lot of the times it's like really challenging. Um, if you have a lot of people on social, you miss a lot of notifications. And so it just like saves everything in a really nice feed. They have a good reporting dashboard. Um, and you don't actually have to have like the connection of the in influencer or anyone that mentions it. I see that like as a challenge a lot of the times is you have to like have them authenticate into like give them give you their like account details or login through like you know the whole thing. Um and so this just like passively saves all content um and then reports on like how many estimated impressions they have um which is really really nice. Wow. So those are that is that is very cool. <laughs> So quite actually quick question on the one that you just mentioned. It's called authenticate archive.com archive. Okay. Archive.com. Okay. So let's say I'm doing putting in Sarah Gro's Instagram account onto archive.com. Anything that you post a story about is going to be archived. No. So if I like, um, as a brand, I have to make sure that I, I connect my account. Um, and so basically it pulls all of the social mentions into its own platform. And so if an influencer or um, just anyone randomly is tagging your brand on as in like an Instagram story, it's just really, really annoying. And like the, the small little tasks yeah. going and saving the content um, and especially as as um, your brand grows, I'm assuming like customer support is on social and you have the brand team on social and the social team on social. Um, it's just really easy to miss notifications. And so this automatically saves everything. They have a really cool like Slack integration. So you get pings whenever, whenever um, someone mentions you and um, they create like a shareable link. And so I don't actually have to download the content as like an mp4 or an image i it's just like um it's kind of like the loom of of instagram got it that's really good to know now a quick thank you to our sponsor char charms char charms sells the cutest water bottle accessories so if you know someone that's obsessed with their water bottle you should probably get them some char charms go check out char charms at charcharms.com I want to talk a little bit about do you ever do any like collaborative work with the marketing? I mean, technically you are in marketing, but like on the marketing team side of things, how much are you working with them to collaborate like the Instagram posts that you're bringing in influencers with? Like what is the what is the strategy like look like when you're talking to the socials team? Like how far out ahead of time like would you be building that social calendar and like just what does the collaboration look like there? Yeah, actually, I had a really cool experience working at a marketing agency um, and it was a performance marketing agency and they were honestly one of the best in Facebook ads um, and Google ads um, because they had the creative team in house, like at the agency, they would be sitting next to the media buyers. And so there was this like constant um, feedback loop on like what performance um like what intricacies and learnings we we had for performance would get immediately passed on to the creative team and they would adjust their creative ads um, so that the ad campaigns would work better. And so they had this like machine built and I actually created the influencer department. Um, and it was cool because it was a performance marketing agency. And the first angle that I took is like, okay, like let's 
blast out these discount codes and promotions and like drive performance. Um, and that all changed when COVID hit and the uh, um, creative team was drastically affected because they weren't like small productions that we were doing. They were like massive, massive commercial shoots. And um, it was, it was incredible what they built, but it just like wasn't able to execute through the, at least the beginning of COVID. So I took a lot of that business um, and turned like influencer campaigns into UGC campaigns. Um, and that's a big shift in strategy and how to leverage influencer to build a, like to scale your brand. Um, and so what I would say is like integrating influencer in your marketing mix. Um, I would just think of like, how do you create, like, how do you leverage UGC in interesting ways so that you can really stretch your, um, the dollars that you spend on it. Um, so it could be integrating UGC and ads. It could be integrating UGC in your social calendar. It could be actually like integrating UGC on your product pages or mm -hmm. your email pop-ups. Um, and there's like, I've even seen UGC used as like, um, SMS, um, content. Really? Yeah. Um, which is cool. And obviously like you have to have permission to use this anywhere, but it's just like, it creates like really intriguing content um, that will most likely get more clicks and therefore drive more conversions than um, a lot of like the traditional photo shoots and video shoots that brands have. And what's cool is it's just kind of aligning with the shift in content trends. So pre-COVID, a lot of brands were doing a lot of like produce content on social. And then again, um, just like the general trend is more UGC feeds where it was like, a lot of brands took influencer marketing more seriously. Um, and there was like a mix of content on feeds from different creators. And then to make it more efficient, brands started to lean into maybe one or two creators that would turn into the face of the brand. And that also made the cost more efficient um, for the brand because they would just have to pay one person, one creator, one or two creators, and they would just have them on retainer. And then going even further, by doing that, you're creating a voice, a brand voice, um, where people are tuning into, consumers are tuning into, followers are tuning into. Um, and that's why I think brand partnerships are so interesting is because brands are actually turning into creators and influencers. Um, and so I think it's just going to be a really fun dynamic in the next three years, I'd say, two to three years to see like how um, influencers play if they can't guarantee any performance when you can partner with a complimentary brand that has even more following than the influencers that you might be partnering with that don't ask for an upfront cost that are willing to create the content because they have these creators on retainer um, and they know that you have the customer base. I think it's interesting how the businesses are starting to kind of like lean into just like the face of the brand. And but then it's a lot of businesses don't want to do that because then they're like, well, we don't want just one face of the brand. You know, we want balance in in the face on all of our on all of our brands right like are you seeing any kind of clash there when we're trying to like tell brands like hey people are more likely to follow you like if there's one person running the TikTok page that like people can connect to versus if there's like a thousand UGC creators on there because that's an opinion of mine where like if there's a thousand different people on the targets TikTok page it's like 
eh, I don't really feel like connected to Target through the TikTok. But if it's like the girly at TikTok who's just like doing her thing, like making her entertaining TikToks, maybe I'm going to be more likely to like follow along and see what she's doing at Target. Are, do you have any opinion on, on that and like the clash that brands might have? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's like more polarizing having like one voice, like brand voice, brand creator, because it can be, um, you can like, in some sense, miss opportunity, right? If like that creator that you have as your brand face doesn't connect with me, even though the product does, like maybe that's a loss in customer, maybe that's mm -hmm. a loss in follower. Um, but what I would say is like, whatever you do, like as a brand, just fully commit to it. If you're going to have like a spray and pray approach of UGC, you better be like constantly reposting, resharing, tagging, because um, otherwise it's just not effective strategy. Same goes the other way. If you're having the face of the brand, but you're only posting once a month or once, even once a week, like I'm not tuning in once a week. I want to see yeah. that. I want to see you showing up on the feed all the time so I can like create this relationship with the, wh whoever the right. voice is. Yeah. Well, I think that just goes across the board. Like no matter what brands need to be posting all it's, it's volume everywhere. Like quality too, but you have to be everywhere. And like, you have to be posting consistently, um, especially to the small to medium sized brands that are like, oh, we'll just post, you know, here and there. Like, nah, you need often and a lot. Like we want to see you. Um, so yeah. Okay. When it does come to the UGC campaigns, like how, what kind of direction are you giving to these creators that you're working with? Because I know some creators want direction, some creators don't. What have you found as best practices? When you're working with creators, influencers, whoever it is, just make sure that you have like a very clear purpose. And I mean, sometimes I've worked with brands that, um, like you have a specific purpose of re of like, let's work with this influencer UGC creator for the purpose of ads. And that way we pay them a specific budget and give them specific a specific brief that's like really more narrow um, and less room for creativity. Um, but then also like sometimes I've, I've worked with influencers and really we're just giving, we're empowering them with information to um, create interesting content themselves. And so you do this by reinforcing unique selling points, USPs. And this could be, you know, like I would just like pick, you know, your top like five to 10. So for like all birds, it's like style, it's comfort. It's, you know, we, we might lean into sustainability. Like what are these points that we want influencers to mention and somehow like creatively integrate it within their content to visually show um, what our selling points are. Um, and in that case, it's a little bit more scary because you're going to get a piece of content. Um, and especially if, if you're not paying the influencer, it might be um, like a surprise, whatever shows up on the feed. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I would say um, it's really, really important to just like give as much education to influencers. And then also what you can do is empower them um, with content that you love, that you've seen either from past partnerships or maybe they're just like posts that you have, like it's, it has nothing to do with your brand, but it's just like trends that you are really encouraging the influencers to replicate and just like giving them this like curated feed of content. Um, usually it's in a deck or maybe it's in an email, um, but just like giving them these examples so that they're you give them like some direction on where to go instead of just like, you know, seeing where it goes. 
because that's really yeah. scary. <laughs> I can only imagine. I've been trying to do that at Charge Arms. We were just doing a huge TikTok affiliate thing. I had one of my interns like messaging a thousand of them a day. And with the follow ups, we were sending them like ideas for videos. So just like to remind the audience, Charge Arms is a very, you know, small size startup. Um, so we don't have the budget of something like Allbirds, but we were doing something like that. We were sending them like, here are a couple ideas, like, here are some links to the videos that we really like like and that you can you know attempt to do something like this but you never know like i i will say no unboxings because i hate unboxing videos and then there, there you know you there's three unboxing videos i'm like come on like <laughs> you could have done a little bit different here where do you think you know influencer and strategy will continue to grow um in 2024 like what are some things that you're really excited to try other than the brand partnerships which you mentioned earlier in the podcast is there anything that you think brand should be trying with our influencers in 2024? Um, I think a trend like 2024 and beyond is um, like social platforms or just like networks in general are creating their own bigger slice of the pie. For example, TikTok shops where you can actually shop through TikTok um, and they're integrating this influencer strategy where influencers can go um, like post and get commission. Um, I'm sure they're going to build out a stronger live streaming um, incentive just because they know that like live streaming potentially could keep um, users on the app for longer. Um, same thing with Amazon. I heard a bunch of different articles saying that um, they're getting more strategic and they're offering brands more incentives because of TikTok shops. And, you know, they're like really chasing, chasing the um, the ball. And then also um, I can only imagine that like Shopify will have be reactive to all of this, um, just knowing that they could potentially be losing some market share. I don't know. Um, but I think a trend in the future is having, and it's not like nothing new, but it's just making sure that you're having a strategy specific to the platform, just knowing that each platform will have its own incentives for the creators. Gotcha. Sarah, thank you so much for all this like awesome feedback on influencer marketing. I learned so much and I'm sure everyone listening did too. So where should they follow you, Sarah? Like if they want to hear more about influencer. Sure. I mean, always happy to connect on LinkedIn. And then I also have a fun little page on Instagram called good.cpg where I post um, some like social strategies for brands, um, highlight some interesting collaborations that I see. Um, it's just brands in general, not just all birds. Um, so that would be the best place to keep up with the trends that I'm seeing. I love it. Everyone go check out Sarah on good.cbg at Instagram, give her a connection on LinkedIn, and I will see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please give the show a follow and a rating. Also, follow As A Creator on Instagram at As A Creator so you can see when new episodes come out. See you guys next week.